Howdy do, neighbor. It's Bree and Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. And now, here's the guys. And welcome back to the Berean Spirits. My name is Chris Peltz. I'm the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ in Springfield, Missouri. And joining me today is Josh Thornhill, as always, from the Brookmead Church of Christ over in Johnson City, Tennessee. Josh, how you doing today, brother? Oh, I mean, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, All right. right. Hanging in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's good. Yeah. Man, I, dude, we we're we hit a hundred yesterday, hundred degrees. We're hitting a hundred, supposed to today. And uh, my wife was gonna wait to go out work in the garden, and um, I was like, um, yeah, why don't you just go on ahead and do it this morning? <laughs> get get them green beans picked, check everything else out, get everything done, and um, we'll we'll see how the weather is. <laughs> when i'm done with the with brian spirit so um thankfully no. she went on and got busy you know we've been in the 80s this week and wow. uh it's been nice you know yeah. like i could tell you i've been here this would be you know four and a half years now almost going on we'll be five years in about three months um i don't think i've ever had a hundred degree day here in Johnson city. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm thinking we've hit nineties. Like we hit the nineties for about two, three weeks worth of days every year, maybe 14 to 20 days in a given summer, we hit 90 degrees, but outside of that, it stays in the upper to mid eighties. So yeah, the benefit of that elevation. Interesting fact. Do you know the only state out of the 50 to never hit a hundred degrees? No, no. A lot of folks think it's Alaska and it's not. It's Hawaii. What? I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's, I think their, their highest recorded temp is like 99. I don't think they've ever hit a hundred degrees. Uh, wow. It's, it's crazy. So, mm. uh, wild. But anyway, well, hey, maybe Richard's enjoying himself. He is actually on vacation and is over close to your neck of the woods. Maybe they're having some good, uh, tolerable 80-degree weather up in the uh, Smoky Mountains of eastern Tennessee. Well, you know, the past couple of days, the air quality here has been really poor, so it must be Richard being in close proximity. <laughs> Are you guys getting some of that stuff from Canada, all that? I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. I was noticing as I was driving in this morning, the haze in, in the air, it's pretty bad. And I have a warning. One Oh six is the air quality unhealthy for sensitive groups. Yeah. It's our air quality index. It's that Canadian air, man. I know it, man. Uh, yeah. We, I don't think it gets that bad, even with the wildfires from out West that happened. So that's crazy, but uh, hopefully they get all that under control and nobody's gets seriously injured or hurt. So, uh, but yeah, that's wild. All right. Well, hey man, uh, next week, Fourth of July 
it's a huge celebration here in the United States for a lot of people. We've already had a bunch of fireworks be sh- you know shot off and going off here uh, around the house. It's only going to intensify, I'm sure, over the weekend. And uh, I hope everyone stays safe with all of the celebrations. I'm sure a lot of folks are pulling out grills and barbecuing and having family gatherings and family reunions, I think is pretty popular during this particular time of year. But in the meantime, there's a lot of attention focused on independence and freedom. And so, Josh, I thought uh, that might be a good subject for us to talk about uh, from a spiritual standpoint when it comes to um, freedom. And, And I don't know, maybe we could even contrast that with the independence that we have as Christians uh, for the fact that we are dependent upon God, um, and uh, yet He sets us free from from sin. Sure, I think that's a natural uh, connection there. Um, you, you've mentioned the Fourth of July, and I think what what that day is intended to be is not just hey, let's blow off some fireworks, let's have a barbecue with our family, let's enjoy the day. Um, it's meant as a celebration, number one, but it's also meant to cause us to reflect upon the fact that we are free as a people. You know, it is our Independence Day. It's the day that we have, uh, that we kind of declared our freedom from Britain. And, you know, it's pause, it gives us a reason to remember our freedom, but not just our freedom, what was paid to achieve that freedom. And I think that's a crucial uh, part of days like this and Memorial Day um, to remind us of the fact that our freedoms aren't free. Uh, They weren't free. They were paid for by the blood of of our brethren uh, who gave their lives to fight for uh, this country and for the freedoms that we enjoy. Um, And so when we apply that to our spiritual life, certainly there is a great deal of freedom that we enjoy in Jesus Christ. And just like that, freedom that we enjoy in this country, our freedom in Christ isn't free either. And so I think we would do well to remind ourselves of of the price that was paid uh, to achieve this freedom, but also uh, the price that our freedom demands of us. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and it's something that, uh, you know, it, it isn't to be remembered once a year, right? Or, or twice a year. A lot of folks look at, you know, Christmas and Easter and and even when it comes to the the as you point out the the price that was paid for our freedoms as far as our country is concerned and what we have now, you know we've got the Fourth of July which commemorates that we Memorial Day that you mentioned. There's Veterans Day uh, as well, and and so there are several little holidays, little days that that people look to and and remember some of the things that. Uh, have gone on the wars that have been fought in times past and lives that have been lost. And yet, yeah, Christ paid that ultimate sacrifice and, and not just for uh, one nation in the Western hemisphere or anything like that. I mean, he paid the ultimate sacrifice for all first John chapter two in verse two, you know, we have an advocate with the father, Christ Jesus, the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. Right? And so uh, not only for for the entire world at that time, but for all time 
as long as this world exists, Christ paid a price in his death, which, uh, you know, gives the opportunity for us to be uh, free and, and set free from the bondage of sin. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the concepts of freedom and bondage and such like that are common themes throughout the Bible. John 8 and verse 34, for instance, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Verse 32, that is. And then the, the Jews that, you know, Jesus is conversing with, they're, they're thinking, well, we're descendants of Abraham and we've never been in bondage to anybody. So, uh, and Jesus says that if you commit sin, you are a slave to sin or you are in bondage to sin. And Romans 6, yeah, that spends a great deal of time talking about the fact that we are in bondage uh, to sin, or, or we are either in bondage to sin or in bondage to, to righteousness. And so you have the contrast to that being freedom, which is the state where we are no longer oppressed or we are no longer in bondage. And so we have been set free spiritually. And so we are no longer enslaved by sin. We are no longer in the bondage of sin. And we no longer have to serve sin. And, and again, you see that concept throughout the Bible in, in the beginning of the Bible, the book of Exodus, uh, you find Israel being enslaved by the Egyptians, and yet God delivers them from their bondage. And that picture, the Exodus, is used as really a shadow of the deliverance from sin that Jesus would achieve through his death on the cross. And then later on, you know, throughout the history of Israel, you see them constantly obeying or disobeying God and and being rebuked and then repenting and then that vicious cycle taking place. Uh, but then later on, God just gets fed up with it. And so he sends the Israelites away to Assyrian captivity. And then later on, he sends the people of Judah to Babylonian captivity. And so once again, the people of God are are captive and then, of course, many other verses speak to our concepts of, of freedom, uh, liberty, Galatians 5, verse 1, and uh, James 1, verse 25, talk about liberty. We've been called to liberty, James, Galatians 5 tells us. Um, and then James 1 talks about the perfect law of liberty. And then you have the idea of release, the release of the captives, or a rescue from bondage, or even redemption is a word that uh, speaks to a release or a freedom from bondage. And so uh, I do think this is a very biblical concept. Um, and while we enjoy freedom for now in this country, uh, we ought to appreciate that and defend it as best we can and not just give our freedoms away, <laughs> as some seem to do. But anyway, um, uh, fight for our freedoms instead of voting them away. But anyway, um, enjoy them and appreciate the freedoms that we enjoy. But more importantly, enjoy uh, the freedom that we have in Christ uh, to no longer be bound by sin and no longer to be captive to its vices, uh, but be freed from it and to enjoy the, the liberty that Christ brings. You know, and you think about, as you point out, and I mean, you know, as as Americans, right, as U.S. citizens, we have not only certain rights and, and abilities and, and can look at what has been done and, and things that we can legally do in order to, 
um, you know, not only be in, in uh, you know, following the government that God has put in place, but, you know, have those rights to fight for these freedoms to maintain and keep them. But ultimately, you know, it, you know, you don't have to live in the U S to be free from sin. You don't have to live in the U S to be a Christian. You, you, you know, Christians, even in the first century were oppressed by their governments. They were, uh, under, you know, uh, bondage and affliction um, by, you know, and persecution by those around them. And yet they were still free uh, through Christ Jesus, free from sin. And, and probably one of the things that we need to talk about is what, you know, what does that mean to be enslaved to sin? How does sin enslave us? And in fact, I think last week when you and Richard were talking about David and Bathsheba, you, you mentioned a, a little phrase about sin, which I think illustrates just how people are enslaved by sin um, in, in pointing out sin takes you further than you want to go, uh, keeps you there longer than you want to stay. And there's one more part to that. Costs you more than you intended to pay. And costs you more than you intended to pay. That's it. And, you know, that's I think that really illustrates how sin grabs hold of you and, and how difficult it is as described in James chapter one, you know, it, it's, um, you know, it, it is something that it can be difficult to let go of and to escape from in our own minds. Christ gives us the answer, but sometimes with our emotions and, um, you know, our fears, it is, it can be difficult to allow ourselves to be released through Christ from the sins that we are involved in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do think one thing we need to appreciate is the fact that sin in general, a lot of them, you know, do bring a form of pleasure. I think in Hebrews 11, um, what's it called? Verse 25 talks about Moses choosing to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Sin is pleasurable. At least some of them are. Um, that's why people involve themselves in it. And the problem is, is they get enslaved by that pursuit of pleasure. And, and they seek that pleasure and they desire that pleasure. And so they keep going back for more and more and more and more. But you see the problem there that that tells you the problem in and of itself, that the pleasure is temporal. Yeah. It's and, not and probably a word that people would would relate to better today would be addicted addiction. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've uh, I've heard from people who have been addicted to drugs before. You know, they talk about, you know, you hear about gateway drugs. I think marijuana is described as a gateway drug uh, because it's. It's um, it's something that that's kind of easy to get. You know, it's kind of been decriminalized a lot. Uh, and so you get that high and you for the first time you partake of it. Apparently, there's this, you know, great high. And then as you keep going and doing it and uh, the high is not quite as intense. And so what they keep doing is they look for other drugs to chase that first high. Um, they're chasing that 
pleasure. They're chasing the passing pleasure. And the point is, it's temporary. It's not lasting. And that's why they have to keep pursuing more. And the point is, if we pursue God, we can find the true fulfillment that will last and that does endure. Um, and we have the freedom from the passing pleasures of sin, so we're not enslaved by them anymore. Yeah, you know, Philippians 4 talks about that that peace that passes all understanding, and, and that's I think that's part of what that is about, right? I mean, you get it, you get into these addictions and you get into the drugs and you get into this, you know, this desire that people have. And, and just as James chapter one describes it, you know, as you give into that, it, it ultimately leads to sin. And, and that's, you know, like you said, that first time, you know, this, this sense of euphoria in one sense, and yet, the next time it's not quite and people just keep chasing and keep chasing. And, and I like how Paul describes it in Romans six, you alluded to it earlier, but he, he talks about what we are enslaved to or, and how we are enslaved to it. And that is by what we serve or how we serve. Right? And so, you know, you are slaves to whom you serve and what are we serving? Are we serving self? Are we serving the world? Are we serving, uh, you know, men or are we serving God? I mean, ultimately that, that is the choice that we have is to, you know, serve men, which includes ourselves or to serve God. And, you know, we are enslaved to whom we serve, but the, you know, kind of that contradiction of terms, kind of like jumbo shrimp, right? We are enslaved to God when we serve him, but in doing so, we are set free, free from sin, those things that truly oppress and hold us down. And um, and it, it's just a, a completely different situation that you find yourself in. Sure. Um, and I think another way you could illustrate that is in Matthew chapter 11, right? Where Jesus says in verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What Jesus is saying here is there, there's an exchange that is taking place here. He says, you bring me that heavy, that oppressive burden that you are bearing. I will take that from you and I'll give you my yoke in exchange. That doesn't mean we just can wander free without any kind of, of burden. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the point is, we're going to be facing a burden to somebody. It's like you think about uh, in the Civil War, know it's slavery in our country um i may be wrong but it seems to me from the the research and things that i've done the majority of slave owners were pretty benevolent to their their slaves but you have a couple bad eggs that were um like the ones that get all the attention um and the i mean would you rather if you had to be a slave to somebody, would you rather be slave to a benevolent slave owner who's going to treat you like a human being and who's going to honor you and, and treat you well? Like Luke 15, my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare. Or would you rather be under the oppressive taskmaster who's going to whip you and beat you and, and force you to, 
uh, to do his every whim and, and treat you like dirt. And that's the choices that we have when it comes to sin and our slavery to righteousness. Sin and, and, and Satan and, and all of those are oppressive taskmasters. And they want to oppress us and they want to destroy us and they want to treat us like dirt. But God over here, he says, I, I, I'm still going to be your master and you still are my servant. But I'm going to love you and provide for you and care for you and treat you uh, honorably. And, and it's that that the choice that we're making, you know, we're going to be a servant of somebody, as Paul says, but we're choosing. Are we going to be a servant of Christ where we get to enjoy the, the easy and light burden? Or are we going to be the, the slave of sin where we're going to enjoy that or experience that oppressive, heavy burden that is hard to bear? Yeah. And it's, it's, it'd be similar to looking at the old law, that yoke, that burden that was placed under the old law, as opposed to under the new covenant, which he, you know, uh, constantly points out, we're talking about grace and mercy, right? Um, and and the ability when we do fall short, we do sin to turn back to Him, confess our sins to Him, and He is faithful and just to forgive us. First John chapter one, verse nine. And so uh, th- there's a huge difference when it comes to you know how the world and how the devil wants us to react and. Um, you know, kind of build and basically dig a hole, right? Uh, when it comes to sin, as opposed to, you know, serving God who is there to help us along and to bring us to the ultimate goal, right? He's on our side when it comes to the victory that he's promising. He's trying to help us get to that victory rather than keep us from it. And, and that's the, the burden of sin, right? It, it is, uh, holding us down, ke- holding us back, keeping us from that ultimate victory that we can have in Christ. Right. And there are several things that you know we could talk about as far as the, the freedom in Christ or what Jesus sets us free from. I think we might address some of those. But yeah. you see in Luke chapter 4, for instance, um, Jesus, beginning in verse 16, he's in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he stands up to read, and he pulls up Isaiah, and he starts to read from chapter 61. And he he opens the book, and he he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, set me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And and when you just read that on the surface, it kind of sounds like Jesus has come to know, just to provide, you know, well-being, general well-being to people. Um, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. When he talks about preaching to the poor, he's not talking about the physically poor. Uh, he's talking about the spiritually poor, those who are poor uh, in spirit, I guess you could say. Uh, proclaim release to the captives, those who are captivated by sin, they can be released from those bonds, recovery of sight to the spiritually blind, and set free those who are oppressed by sin. You know, all of those things are spiritual in their focus, and that's what Jesus has come to accomplish to provide uh, that that freedom and that redemption uh, from those things. And so, 
I think the obvious one when we talk about the freedom that we enjoy in Christ is the freedom uh, from the bondage of sin. Um, and then I think along with that is not only are we freed from the bondage of sin, we're also freed from the consequences of sin. Wow, yeah. I mean, that, and, and isn't that really what everyone's looking for? I mean, they, they're looking for ultimately, you know, the... Um, you know, the, they're, they're looking at the consequences ultimately. And, and so many people today say, oh, we're a bunch of fear mongers. All we do is want to talk about hell. Everyone's going to hell. And, you know, the, the idea is the, the, you know, the opposite really. I mean, you certainly God talks about hell. There is judgment that will be faced, but for those who are willing to obey the gospel and, and turn, you know, turning to God, you know, there is peace and love and, and joy and all of those great things that everyone seems to want um, that the world can't provide, you know. And and so as long as we keep trying to look to the world and or within ourselves, you know, we're going to find that it, there there's nothing that lasts, nothing that is eternal. Everything would be so temporal. And yet here is Christ, you know, uh, offering us well, freedom from discontentment, right? He's offering us contentment. Um, you know, if, if we truly trust in Him and have our affection set on things above, we're set free from discontentment. We're set free from, you know, the the struggle to just try to obtain more and more of this world to know that ultimately it's going to be taken away from us, either when we die or when something else happens in this world uh you know there there's uh there's always that risk whereas with christ um you know it, it's a promise that no one can snatch from us you know we we can leave it we can turn from it on our own volition but uh but you know god isn't going to just you know arbitrarily kick us out or let someone take us away from him Right. And I, and I think, you know, people talk about the fear mongering, like you mentioned. Um, it's not that we just want to scare people. But there is a reality. Yeah. You know, I've had friends of mine call me and, and, and talk about some circumstances that they're part of that are really not great. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to warn me that, hey, don't don't get involved or don't go in this direction because this is where it could end up. And, and they're just saying, I've been there and you don't want to be where I've been. And obviously none of us have ever experienced hell, but we can read in the scriptures how Jesus and the, and the apostles describe it. And it's a place of terror. And the reality is, is the fact that we are telling people about the problem or the dangers of hell is the most loving thing we can do because we're trying to spare them from that torment. And at the end of the day, you know, people talk about, well, how is going to, uh, is a good God going to send people to hell? Well, uh, what I think they don't understand a couple of things is they don't know who God is, first of all, because God is holy. And if God is holy, that means he is light and in him is no darkness at all. And that means he cannot dwell with that which is unholy. And so we have sinned against God and we have separated ourselves from the holy God by becoming stained with sin. 
And so he can't dwell with us because he's so holy. And so that's why Jesus had to die to redeem us, to cleanse us of sin so that we could be holy too and that we can dwell with him. Yeah. And so the freedom that we enjoy frees us from the consequence of sin. So it enables us to be washed of our sins in the blood of Christ, to to be pure and whole and just again, so that we don't face condemnation, but we can experience eternal life in Christ Jesus. One of the traps I think we fall into is the you know and and why people sometimes make that accusation against us. It's it's all about you know the fear and all about you know hell. And sometimes we make the mistake of not offering the solution. And so sometimes their accusation can be quite valid, right? If we're not offering them the solution of the gospel, uh, then that that is all we're doing is just telling them, uh, you know, of the the horrors and of hell, and and um, you know it's too bad, like you know that's you know that's where you're going, and and that's it, unless we offer the solution, right? We offer them the gospel of Christ. So that's something we we always have to keep in mind as well. Sure. And where I was going to go next, or another area that I was going to go as far as the freedom we enjoy, uh, Richard popped in and he read my mind. Um, <laughs> and he commented that we have freedom from the fear of death. Hi, Richard. Hope you're enjoying uh, Gatlinburg and the surrounding area. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it, it frees us from the fear of death. You know, in Hebrews chapter 2, I mean, jump over there for a minute Uh, beginning verse 14 it tells us since the children share in flesh and blood he himself likewise also partook of the same that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death that is devil the devil and might free those there's our freedom again might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives because of what christ has accomplished we have freedom from the fear of death and i think that's a natural thing, fearing death, because it's a relatively unknown thing. Like, what happens when we die? Well, we have some ideas, but we don't know exactly. Um, we've not experienced it. Yeah. You know, there's things that we haven't experienced yet that bring us fear. Now, I remember when I was, particularly when I was little, um, when I would go on a roller coaster for the first time, I was always a little scared. And then I would ride it and I was like, Oh, this is great. Well, cause I've experienced it and I've been on it and I know what to expect and I know what it's like. And when you think about death, none of us have very, very experienced it before, at least physically. And so that brings a natural terror to us where we kind of cower when we think about death, because I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know what it's like. And, 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 you know, I think also there's that fear of, of where we're going to go after we die. Uh, But the point that the Hebrew author is making here is that Jesus through his own death conquers death and gains victory over death has defeated death and has come to bring life and so we have spiritual life and so although we may physically die jesus says we will never die 
I think that's the point in John chapter 5 where Jesus says, though he may die, he will live. And so we have no reason to fear death because death is merely the portal to eternal life. Death is the, the portal to where we get to go dwell with the Lord forevermore. And I think one of the things as far as our faith in Christ does for us is it removes that fear of death and gives us the realization that death is not the worst thing that can happen to us. It's actually the very best thing that can happen to us, to a faithful Christian. Yeah. Uh, because we get to go be with the Lord forevermore. Which is what, there's no better place we could be. Which is what Paul was saying in Philippians chapter 1, right? I, I would rather die and be with the Lord than, you know, than, than to remain here. But, you know, this is better for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that he would remain. So... But yeah, I mean that you know, hastening that the the second coming, for example, in in Second um, uh, Peter chapter three and verse twelve, look for and hasten that day. You know, sometimes that can be difficult for folks because you know th- there's there can be anxiety about the unknown and and what we have. But through Christ, you know, he, he you look at John chapter fourteen. And what Jesus talked about in the Gospel of John 14, where he's going to prepare a place, and then later in verses 28 through 32, he's, he's, he tells them, listen, if you understood what I'm telling you, if you understood that I get to go back to be with the Father, you would, you would be happy. You would be rejoicing with me. And so here is Jesus, who's been there, right, in, in uh, John 17, verse 4, you know, give me the glory that I had, you know, before with you, right? So he's been there, and now he's going to go back, and he's telling the the disciples, you know, I, I know what it's like there as opposed to here, and this is a joyous thing that I get to go back and be with the Father. I'm looking forward to it and because I know what it's like, and I can't wait for you all to join me. Can't wait for you to be there with me. and And so that ought to be something that we— um, you know, we, we desire as far as that, that day is concerned. Uh, and with that, you know, as he points out in second or first Thessalonians four, verse 16, 17, you know, don't worry about those who sleep, those who have passed away in Christ, you know, they'll be right raised first. Right. So, so there's all kinds of reassurances. In fact, he says in verse 18 of first Corinthians or first Thessalonians chapter four, comfort one another with these words. There's so much comfort to be offered and given to relieve our fears as a whole, but especially that fear of death. Right. You know, there was a story about um, this man who had gone to visit his doctor and he asked his doctor about death, and the doctor's kind of like, well, I don't know. And the guy's like, well, how do you not know? It's like, because doctors, you know, have to know about the afterlife, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously the door was closed to the room that they were in, and it was the doctor's dog that was kind of clawing at the door. And the doctor says, you know, that dog's never been in this room. He has no clue what's inside here. But one thing he knows is his master's in there, and that's why he wants to come in. And I think that's the, the idea is we ought to put aside the anxieties and the fears that we have, and not knowing exactly what death is going to be like and what immediately will precede that, 
or, or follow that, excuse me. Um, because we just rest in the fact that we get to go be with our Lord. We get to be with our Master, and we get to dwell in His presence forever. And so we don't need to know all the details. We know we have comfort and peace knowing that we get to be with God forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, as David says in Psalm 23. Yeah, uh, and that... And and what a great comfort and, and a peace that we have knowing, you know, that not only he is with us, but that he's offering us this victory, um, you know, and this freedom, right? We can talk about the eternal reward, right? But, you know, even now, when we have that realization, when we have that knowledge, it helps us to go through the most difficulty, you know, difficult trials of this life with a smile, right? With, with the, mo the most sorrowful things, knowing that this world is temporal anyway, this is not our home. And with that comes that, that freedom that everyone really is, is searching for and anxious for. Mm -hmm. You know, as I've said in my lessons a couple of times over the past couple of years. Uh, we need to be able to say this world is not my home and truly mean it. Yeah. Because we are living for something beyond this life, like the patriarchs, like the people of faith in Hebrews 11. Uh, they live their entire lives in light of the promises that God would accomplish beyond even their own lifetime, but they got to be a part of in eternity. Where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. Right. And that's what we need to be looking at. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, any other things that you want to talk about as far as freedom from? Um, no, I was mainly just thinking about heading, closing out with the price of freedom. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Let's, right. let's do our wrap up. So, you know, we have holidays like Memorial Day and things like that where we we remember, uh, you know, I've heard this past Memorial Day, uh, I saw a post that somebody had made and they were talking about the various holidays. You have Armed Forces Day uh, for those who are remembering those who are wearing the uniform. You have Veterans Day, remembering those who used to wear the uniform. And you have Memorial Day, remembering those who never made it out of the uniform, uh, who died in the service. Um, and that's what we are remembering and because they gave the, as we say, the ultimate sacrifice in, in order to assure uh, our freedom. Uh, and that's, you know, a lot of, of people have given their lives so that we can enjoy the freedom that we have in this country. Um, freedom comes at a great price and great sacrifices have been made, made to make that available to us. And while it's good to remember those who have given their lives uh, to accomplish our freedom in, in America here, uh, we must be more mindful of the cost of our freedom in Christ because it was an even greater price that was paid to redeem us from sin. Uh, the God of heaven took upon flesh uh, so that He could walk among men, so that He could offer Himself as the sacrifice to cleanse men from sin and, and to redeem us from sin. And that is a tremendous price 
that was paid. Paul says that Jesus gave himself as a ransom for many. And so it wasn't free. Our freedom in Christ was not free. It required the sacrifice and the death of our Lord on the cross to provide that redemption and that freedom to us. Yeah, absolutely. And and there there is no other sacrifice that could have done it. You look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, you know, it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And 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 so Christ came. That that's what he came for. And and later in verses 26 through 29, you know, if we count that blood, that sacrifice as common, you know, then th- there remains no other sacrifice. That 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 was it. And so um, you know, we we can't look to anything else. We can't look anywhere else. There's only one solution, and that is through Christ Jesus. And without that, um, we remain enslaved to sin and ultimately uh, in danger of, of, of hellfire. But there is a solution, and that is through Christ Jesus. No doubt about it. And there's anything another else? side of that yeah. that I want to touch on briefly. Um, yes, many people have died in this country to preserve our freedom. But we still have an opportunity or an obligation to preserve our own freedom. And it seems that many are failing miserably in that regard, but we're not going to go into that. But, you know, although freedom isn't free, and so Jesus had to offer himself to die or offer himself and die to provide that redemption to us, it places a responsibility upon us. We must die in order to enjoy this freedom. And that means we're dying to self. Paul says in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, we're presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. And so we're dying ourselves to sin, dying to ourselves, so that Christ can reign within us and that He can rule. And then we have an obligation not to return then back to the bondage of of sin. And so we have an obligation as far as freedom. There's a price that is required of us if we are to continue to enjoy this freedom uh, that we have found in Christ. Yeah, great, great point. And great point to end on, uh, for sure. Uh, and so I hope everybody will take and can you know very serious consideration of these things and understand that, uh, yeah, we do die to sin, right? I mean, we, we die to sin. And when that man of sin uh, is, is put to death, He's to be buried, buried in a watery grave of baptism where we rise then to walk in newness of life. Just as Christ died for our sins and paid that price, shed his blood, he was buried and rose the third day, overcoming death. Hades could not hold him and and showed us the power that he has over death. And he's offering us um, you know, that freedom as well. And so we hope folks will consider that and take that very seriously. If you need to get with us, email us, ask us further questions, bereanspirits at gmail.com. We love to hear from you guys, and we appreciate it as well. And remember, this is also offered as a podcast. Uh, You can check it out on Spotify and and Google Podcasts and other places as well. Uh, Just search for Berean Spirits. And uh, we'll, uh, you know, we, again, if you want to get with us, shoot us an email, bereanspirits at gmail.com. Thanks again so much, again, for listening to our 
live stream. We'll look forward to being back with you next time. Until then, remember to search the scriptures with Berean spirits. Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at reinspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible.